Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome, everybody, to the second hour of In the Locker Room, ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. I am so fortunate because I've got two great buddies, great friends of the locker room, and that would be, of course, Steelers historian Bob Labriola, here with me in the locker room because, again, if you've not heard, Max Starks isn't here, isn't available. His father, uh, Ross Browner, passed away last night. And, again, we extend our condolences and our love out to Max and the Browner family and the Cincinnati organization on the passing of such a great player and a great person such as Ross Browner was. And we also want to bring in the locker room, as we do every Wednesday, our Wednesdays with Wex, Jim Wexel author of a great book, Troy Polamalu and All Things Hair. That's not what it's called, but I love to call it that. Just, <laughs> you know. But uh, anyhow, Wex, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, uh, Wolf. Uh, it's so sad to hear about Max's dad. I, I did not know. I'm sorry to hear that. But I am uh, happy to hear that you have another friend. And it's funny because <laughs> hey, he's funny because he is a friend of mine, too. So it's very, very coincidental that one of my few friends is one of your few friends. So well, I, don't, I don't know about Wolf's few friends, but he did bribe me with some uh, Benjamins. <laughs> I'm like, well, he, he was walking by my glabs. You have to come in. You know what they say, Jim? Every man has a price, and mine is lower than most. <laughs> Oh, man. You know, fellas, I got to tell you, um, and just quickly, just reiterating with Ross Browner, I remember playing against him the first time, and I got to tell you something. That man could close a trap. <laughs> He'd leave you, you'd be looking at him sideways because your helmet was askew. <laughs> you know, he could close a trap. He was a great player. My, yeah. my only memory of Ross Browner. Uh, would be from college, uh, Notre Dame. Right. Uh, and I believe I was at Pitt when he was playing at Notre Dame. And um, he may be able to close the trap, but I can tell you he could not catch Tony Dorsett. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, Wes, you- let me ask you something, buddy. You've got Baltimore in front of you. You got T.J. Watt sitting uh, just a sack and a half away from breaking that record. You've got the team that protects the quarterback the least in that Baltimore offensive line. What are the odds you think of T.J. setting a, an all-time record here? Oh, are we going to have to use asterisks? Well, I hate to bring up a touchy No, but... no, we don't have to oh. use asterisks because – if you're going to use one for this, you got to throw one in on stray hands because Favre laid down. 
for that last sack of his. He did. I, I, I know, but I know, but Baker Mayfield laid down. How do you get a sack on a guy that intentionally slides? But that's cool. I'm glad DJ got it. But Lab, I'm glad you're the guy who's here because every time somebody brings up sacks and records, I always say, I'm, I wonder how many Deacon Jones had. And you're the guy that knows all that. Well, how many did Deacon Jones have? I th- well, unofficially for his career, 173 and a half. Um, but uh, that's that's after the uh, Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame, had uh, people comb through old game films. Um, but let me say this. O- over the course of three seasons, Deacon Jones had, and these are 14-game seasons, boys and girls, 26 <laughs> sacks one season, and or maybe it was 28 and 26, but he had two seasons very close to each other in the early to mid-60s um, where he had more than 24 and a half in 14 games uh, in an era when in the NFL uh, you maybe threw on every third down, but not necessarily. Uh, and, <laughs> and, you, and you didn't even necessarily throw a lot if you were down by 10 points. Which now is you know no huddle, uh, let's <laughs> let's just wind it up and go. So um, you know, and and back in those days too. Uh, oh no, I forgot. I'm I'm in the same small studio with Wolf, so we won't talk about <laughs> offensive lineman holding. <laughs> he can reach out and grab me by the throat without getting out of his chair. So we won't talk about holding. That is a good point. That is a good point, though, Lab. That is a good point because holding is now legal. Is that what you're saying? And for TJ to get this many uh, while being held constantly is pretty impressive. You go back and you look at Deacon Jones. I mean, do you think about those head slaps? Let me tell you something. As a guy who – when I got here in the NFL, the head slap had been ruled out, what, 79, 78, somewhere in there? 70, Probably because uh, that was part of the new rule changes when uh, the Steelers with Chuck Knoll uh, opened up the offense – because that was part of the Mel Blunt rules. Okay. You know, the contact with the receivers coming off right. the line of scrimmage, uh, allowing offensive linemen to extend their arms to block, um, which used to be holding Yeah. before that. Um, and the head slap was part of that as well. So, yeah, it was uh, right around that time. I can tell you it hadn't fully worked its way out of the NFL by then. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I just, I mean, go ahead, Jim. I wanted to ask Wolf: Have the head slaps fully worked themselves out of your head <laughs> by now? It's, hey, Wex, you you and I have had some deep conversations, and you got to know that no, they haven't. <laughs> um. <laughs> hey, Wolf, they really weren't that deep. I have been hating to tell you. <laughs> well, well, that, that's more evidence to the fact, right? <laughs> it just it points out, Wex. You look at this this last game and uh, give me your observations about Baltimore, going into Baltimore, and then this also the fact is the the danger of the, an emotional letdown. I've never seen an outpouring like that uh, for, for such love for a player. Um, and then to go into Baltimore, it's like it's going from all that love to all that hate. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of the uh, uh, game before – what was the game before Minnesota on Thursday night? It was an emotional win in Pittsburgh. It was the Ravens. Ben and Cam. It was the Ravens. There we go. There we go. Okay. And uh, they were exhausted. 
And, you know, how, how are you going to get up for Thursday night? And both of them said, oh, God, I don't know. And then they said, but we'll find a way. Well, we saw 29 nothing. they were down. It took them a while. So I feel the same way. You know, Ben, so emotionally spent. And nobody even asked him about getting up for the Ravens game. I, I don't think. But um, it's going to be difficult. However, it is going to be Ben's actual last game. Well, the possible playoffs, but he will, I will imagine he'll find a way to get himself up for this one. May even score in the first quarter this time. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I do think the rest of the team will find a way to get up for the last game, and it means something. Yeah, the um, the other thing that might help Ben is you heard what the Ravens are doing, right? What's this? They're bringing Suggs in <laughs> and having they're going to do a Monday night. Only he's not playing; he has retired, right? But they're bringing him in for one of those um, love fest kind of things. Uh, I guess they saw that uh, you know the Steelers did it, and so well we we got to we got to do that too. Uh, something. <laughs> well- but yeah, they are they are bringing Terrell Suggs in, and who knows? Maybe if Ben sees him, because uh, I'll tell you what, everybody exactly. everybody on the Steelers from the, those eras of the great uh, Ravens Steelers games has, I believe, a certain individual um, that they did battle with and hate slash respect probably more, you know, than anyone else. I mean, for Fanica, it was Ray Lewis, I think. Uh, for Heinz Ward was Ed Reed, um, and I think for Ben it would be Suggs. Um, because... Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. Yeah, and, and I believe Suggs sacked Ben more than any other quarterback in his career, something like that. And I, and... I do, I do believe uh, if if you're going to do uh, the ten, or even the since he wears number seven, if you're going to do the seven greatest Ben Roethlisberger plays. In my mind, and I was there, one of them was, I think it was in 2010, when there were those few years in a row, 08 for sure, uh, 09 wasn't one of them, and 2010 for sure, maybe 2011 as well. Steelers-Ravens, regular season games, um, the only thing, the, the thing that was really at stake was the venue for the third game that was always in the playoffs. <laughs> and exactly. So in 2010... The Steelers went to Baltimore, uh, and they ended up winning the game and winning the division, ultimately. They didn't clinch the division in that game. But they ultimately won uh, They won that game in Baltimore and ultimately clinched the division, which meant 2010, you know, that was the famous Antonio Brown uh, ball on the side of his helmet catch running down the sideline in the fourth quarter. The reason that was at Heinz Field, in my opinion, late in the fourth quarter, Suggs had Ben wrapped up uh, for a sack. Probably the Steelers were on low, around inside the red zone, close to the ten yard line. In in my uh, memory, and he had Ben wrapped up, and Ben fought and fought and fought, kind of like trying to, uh, um, I don't know, wrestle a gigantic catfish out of the, because you know, <laughs> it's slippery, it's big, you can't really get a good hold on right. it. Um, and Ben got his right arm out of, uh, free enough where he could get rid of the ball, and it was an incomplete pass. It might have been third down. Fourth down, he hits Isaac Redmond for a touchdown, and that won the game. So if he doesn't get away from Suggs, it, it was just an incomplete pass. 
I don't know what happens on fourth down. It's probably not a touchdown. The Ravens end up winning the game, probably winning the division. And, you know, the the, the uh, course of the 2010 AFC playoffs might have been totally different. But that, to me, is one of it, the great Ben Suggs moments. May have been the greatest incompletion in Steelers history. <laughs> and seriously, and Chris Collins were, and as Ben may have had the greatest tackle in Steelers history. But uh, Chris Collinsworth called that, I think he called it like the greatest incompletion he had ever seen. And, uh, <laughs> and I believe Ben was doing that with a broken nose, courtesy of Haloti Nada. So if they can bring Nada into uh, the game Sunday, have him punch Ben in the nose and, and to start the game, perhaps he will get his adrenaline <laughs> going a little earlier. Can you imagine? Hey, Ben, we're going to get you warmed up here. Bam! <laughs> I think that, that'd be a bummer, man. Just somehow it doesn't seem like it'd work out right. Before I, we let you guys go, both of you, I want your opinion because I'm going to flip the script here and, and, and talk a little bit about this. Why do you think Kevin Stefanski in two games takes maybe the best runner off the field offensively and doesn't feed him the rock? Ego. Ego. It's 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 ego with all of those guys, and I'm not I'm not just pinning it on Stefanski, but as if he's the only one. But the only one who didn't do that is Belichick. Hmm. What when do you they say, play, Wex? When they um, play that game in the in the snow, right? This year, go ahead, Wex. Uh, ego's definitely ego's definitely my knee jerk uh, answer, but uh, I, I I just wonder if Tomlin did something schematically not to affect the run but to talk him out of it you know how coaches are man they coach so uh he could the five bigs i think you talked about first meeting uh wolf right you know something like that just seeing that caused stefanski to short circuit and go to something that his team does poorly and wow i mean that's that's a really bad offense and those receivers really really stink and um, all they have is an interior line and Chubb. And whatever the Steelers did, I- I'm going to assume it was that, and probably ego on Stefanski's part. But I-, I think they just talked him out of it in some schematic way. Okay, well, let me – did they talk Todd Downing out of it? I Tennessee's offensive coordinator. What was his excuse? Uh, and I, I'm not, uh, did, You know, I- I'm just – my point is when I say ego – I don't mean it necessarily in the in the narrowest definition of ego in the sense that you know I think I think I'm smarter than the other guy or whatever but all of the hours and days that are spent game planning and watching video and all of that kind of stuff they don't want to get into a game and say I don't need any of this you know be like you writing a book the Polamalu book and you did all a lot of research and you get into it and um, I don't know, maybe only two interviews would have been good enough to carry the whole thing. Would you have had the guts to just throw everything else away? Or would you have said, man, I worked really hard on this. I think this is good work that I did. I'm going to include it anyway. That's an excellent point. I mean, you cut stuff. They're your babies. But yes. you have to. You can't, you can't go all ego. You can't. You're right. That's a good. That's a great analogy. 
Oh, okay, gone. How go. about that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got to go to break, guys. We're up against a hard break. I want to thank you both. I have not had the pleasure of having you both in the locker room simultaneously. That was fun. I appreciate you. Jim Wexel, thank you so much for joining Steel City Insider. And, of course, the Book of Palomalu. And then the great uh, Steeler historian and uh, Steelers Digest editor, Bob Labriol. Thank you both, gentlemen, for joining us here in the locker room. We'll be back after this. we got some more coming up. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Back in the locker room, and thank you to Bob Labriola and Jim Wexel, two great friends, two knowledgeable men that I love having in the locker room, have some good conversation. Of course, I'm rejoined now by Ninja Tom. Now I'm back to ruin it all. (laughs) Dumb it all back down. <laughs> Not at all, baby. You, you came in, you saved my neck. Uh, again, uh, for those that don't know, Max Starks' father, uh, Ross Browner, great defensive end for the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, passed away last night at the age of 67. And uh, we're uh, Max is mourning, and uh, believe you me, that's it's a tough loss, as we all know. And um, we just, again, extend our condolences and a lot of love out to the Browner family and out to uh, the uh, Starks family and um, the Cincinnati Bengals organization on losing a great player. He was a terrific player. I got to play against uh, Ross through the ni- through the eighties and so forth. And uh, he-, he was always a great competitor and a great player. And uh, you know that's that's a real, real, real loss for everybody. Um, as far as injury updates, we got uh, let's see based off. The press conference yesterday, Dan Moore's got an ankle, um, but yet he finished out the game. Uh, Dan, let's he did see. a hell of a job. <laughs> Let me tell you, you know what? Let's talk about that because you know here's the thing about it. In the first game, uh, Miles Garrett had a had a sack. I think now, he got a sack. Yeah, he got a sack. He had like four tackles. This time, no sacks, two quarterback hits. But for a guy uh, who got an ankle, not and who's left alone a lot. With Miles Garrett, and yeah, Miles Garrett is a little nicked up. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't mean that. Uh, let me tell you something. That cat can still rush the passer when he wants to. Sounds to me like Dan Moore was a little nicked up too. Yeah, so absolutely. Evens so, out there. You know, as the LC, the great the late great L C Greenwood once laughed at me in the locker room when I broke my thumb in the last play of the last practice before my first playoff game ever. And I was sitting there with a bag of ice thinking, what am I going to do? I can't, you know, I got 48 hours now. My, my hand is broken. And, you know, and, and Elsie just was, hoo, hoo, hoo. well, boy, we're going to see what kind of player you're out, you are now. Anybody can play this game healthy. <laughs> and you're like going, okay, the pressure's on. It's when you're hurting you can play. Those are the real uh, NFL players. That's, that's exactly it. So, you know, a lot of respect out to Dan Moore. He's come a yeah. long ways. The young man has battled. He didn't even play left tackle in college. You know, you think about right. here he goes to the hot corner, uh, the Ben's blind side, and you've got some great pass rushers and uh, thought he acquitted himself well yet again in this last game. He's had a really trial-by-fire type of year, too. I mean, he get to go up against Miles Garrett twice in one year, and you get to walk away from it going, I did a pretty decent job. That's a lot to build off of in the offseason. Um, offensive line is a bit of an enigma still, I think, with the Steelers. But I think the left side has potential. I think Dan Moore is really showing that he shouldn't he shouldn't have played this year, first of all. This should have been a red shirt. I'm going to learn this thing. 
and he had to play just out of necessity, and he's done a decent enough job. I think he can really build off of that. Dotson being injured is really, really sad. That was a loss. Yeah, that I, was a I wanted loss. to see how that young man continued to progress. Still very high on his ceiling, though. So I think that left side, those two, I think they've got something there. They're, they're and both, Dan Moore especially. Yes, they're both talented. They're both, I think, have real upsides. Uh, I look forward to, as they unfold, hopefully this running game in the uh, season finale here, regular season finale, hope that there's some more. The opportunities to continue. They, here's the thing. When you take away some of the bells and whistles and you allow these guys just to come off the ball, power double teams, being able to not go east-west, get more north-south, right. get the, the multiple tight end formations, there's a lot of good things that can happen there. You know, and we've seen it. You know, not everybody runs the outside zones. That's not a, a Kevin Dotson, in my mind, a Kevin Dotson strength running the outside zone, anything like that. It's about coming off the ball and being people movers. And you still can do that in this day and age of the NFL, despite the fact that you're... Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards doing and you know your primary concerns now are, are safety and everything else different from my era when the you know the elves and the yorks were battling over <laughs> middle earth you know that sort of thing way but, back then yes. yeah way back then <laughs> that's how it was done but the fact of the matter is there's makings of a very good offensive line here and i'm hoping that they're they'll be able to see the fruition of it in the coming years yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that it's a little too early to just completely punt. There's too much youth on that line to just completely punt. I mean, Kendrick Green had to move from guard to center, from college to the NFL. I think we really overlooked how hard that is to do. It's kind of like in Moneyball. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I you knew tell what you, it was going to be like. Well, I, as someone who played guard and yeah. never had one snap at center other than, you know, practice of fooling around, something like that. Um let me tell you, that's difficult. It's extremely I hard, never yeah. wanted to go there. But I also thought I never wanted to go to tackle either because that's <laughs> way out there in the pasture. That's an open field of fighting. I need two buddies on my left and I, my right I shoulder like, here to help me. I am built for close quarter combat. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. Put so, you in a phone booth and yeah, you fight your way out. That's it. That's that. That's what I did best. You know what I mean? A guy like Tunch. Tunch was different. Tunch could he liked that outside. He, he that. was so good. He was like he was like Muhammad Ali with his hands. You know, great hands, throwing hands. But me, I kind of locked. I was like a cannon. I set and thing, and then boom, you know. And it's <laughs> the battle's on. You know, it's like it's like it's like harpooning a whale, and you know, you're just the struggle is on. I think you saw a ton of that in this game against Cleveland too. Is that boom? That pushback from the inside of the line. It was huge. Double teams at the point of attack too. Haven't seen that all year long. Maybe. And what'd you see? Room for Najee to do what Najee does best. And, yes. And we've seen Najee do what he does best, but it's come four yards behind the line of scrimmage, three yards behind the line of scrimmage. So he has to make these spectacular plays, and then they show up on the stat sheet as a one-yard run or a two-yard run. But when you're watching, you're like. That was the effort of a 20-yard run just to get back to the line of scrimmage for him. But you finally get the room. You get the thoroughbred out there with about four yards before he's even touched. 
He is a top tier back in the NFL when he absolutely has been. The stiff arm that he throws people into the ground. You never see the guy go down backwards. He always falls forward. He always pushes the defender forward. He has the potential to be the best back in the NFL potentially if he can get a good line in front of him. And of course, he stays healthy because, like you mentioned earlier in the show, nothing's guaranteed as far as that's right. concerned. But if he can continue to progress this way and the line continues to get better. He's going to be Derrick Henry-esque. I'm not going to say he's going to run like Derrick Henry, right. but the numbers and the impact is going to be Derrick Henry-esque. All right, let me ask you something then. Whose stiff arm was better, Najee Harris on MJ Stewart Oof. or Najee Harris on Jonathan Abraham? Remember, remember him when he – the Raiders guy? Week two, right? Week two. I mean, these are – the 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 Vanimal, Vance McDonald. That he had was one, the all-time stiff that arm. That was just – Against the Buccaneers? Well, he, yeah. He, yeah. He, he, the, the difference in that was – it was um, out way out in the middle, and you know where uh, there was nobody. He went seventy five yards for the touchdown, right? Yeah, and he led a, a comeback that was just monumental there. But think about this, because I look at the the one on MG Stewart was impressive, but Jonathan Abraham he got a full roll off of that. I mean, he got him and in, in t- it was like it was like a, a judo throw. Yeah, one of my favorite shows is Good Morning Football on the NFL Network, and Kyle Brandt does a segment each week called Angry Runs where he puts a running back or a wide receiver or a quarterback sometimes, and it's a powerful run like that, and he gives him a scepter. And Najee got the scepter in week two for the angry run against Jonathan Abram. So I got to tip my cap to that one as being the stiff arm of the year, but that one against Stewart was certainly giving it a run for its money. How about Stewart had the post on Twitter, you know, like a – the tears face or something like goes, if you play long enough, it'll happen. It's going to happen to you. I totally agree. You know, people that, that go out there and go, oh, that would let me tell you something. If you haven't had your butt handed to you <laughs> in the NFL, you have not played nearly long enough. There was a Steeler late in the game that got one to him pretty good. Chubb gave him one. Oh, that was Miles Killebrew. He yeah. had him in the backfield dead to rights, and Chubb just Chubb, pushed him right into the ground. Chubb stiff-armed him. The rally, it was good, though, because they were able to – it was like a two-yard game. The rally yeah. was able to get well, to him. But Miles kept him going. Him. Yeah, yeah, Miles kept him going parallel. To the line for of scrimmage. reinforcements to show yeah, up. Yeah, which was the key. But I he know got, Miles. He, let me tell you, Miles. I know Miles. Miles was honked. I mean, he was honked. He got major. put in the dirt on that. Yeah, one. you know what? And you know, Miles. Hey, you'll, next time he'll he'll get the old karate chop he on will. the arm. Knock the arm down. Go take him out. I'm not. Listen, like Stewart said, it's going to happen eventually. If a Najee Harris, if a Nick Chubb puts you in the dirt like that, those are all world t- caliber players. You shouldn't feel any shame about that. Oh no. No, I mean, you know, a uh, Randy White picked me up and, you know, dragged no me back into the oh, No No shame. Well, except when we spiked Bradshaw. Well, well, then Bradshaw really shame. honked at me. Yeah. <laughs> there was a difference there. But oh, the Terry. Point, <laughs> but Terry, what's that between friends? He didn't He, he didn't do, what was it, who's the guy in Cleveland that uh, spiked him? Oh, man. Oh, I can't remember his name now. But that was, that was like a huge Oh, you know, suplex over the back. Oh, um, earlier, not this year, but no, no. Th- I'm the... talking about Terry Bradshaw, way back. Oh, I think I would know. Oh, I was hoping <laughs> even you know, alive. I can't even remember. <laughs> Anyhow, the point being is, you know, I you... you were talking about maybe Harrison suplexing the fan <laughs> in Cleveland when he ran onto the field. That oh, was a suplex. That was sure. James. Oh, yeah. The best part about that was it was Christmas weekend. So when they took the dude off the jail, there's no no judges. So spend, <laughs> you got to spend a little extra days. And spend the entire weekend in jail, which, you know, you always find And you that. get suplexed by a defensive player of the year. 
It's not it was, a pretty, not a good Christmas. No, it wasn't. It, it started off good. It got it got poor, and then it got even worse. <laughs> All right, but the one thing, this I will say with Najee, you know, everyone talks about his wide catch radius because he does have a wide catch radius. Yeah. He's very good at it, but he's also got longer arms. When you have a wide catch radius and you put that together with athleticism, then you have longer arms. Then you see a strong guy like that, and you go. Those are stiff arms that are going to be of consequence. Yeah, it's like a boxer with that reach. Yeah. He can protect himself and stay far away while still being able to deliver that punishment to you. Absolutely. You know, so I'm glad that Kyle Brandt, uh, you know, uh, agrees with me. Uh, he does. <laughs> that scepter is, week two scepter is in Najee Harris's trophy case, being kept warm. <laughs> Angry run week two, Najee Ang- Harris. Angry run, absolutely. Well, you know, the one thing. There's again, a lot more angry runs in that boy's future, too. He runs with a purpose. A serious purpose. Yes, yes. And I think the more you keep him um, having the ability with a, with a cutback, but he's not he's not one of these guys. I, I don't see him run. The north-south stuff is so much better for him. Yeah. Where I think that you got some complications is when you, when you over-motion, what you do is you create a series of ripple effects. And when you motion, you've got a new strength. So now the defense says we have to adjust to the new strength. So we got to move to strength of formation, which starts a cascade of calls coming from the offensive line. And we have young guys, sometimes the communication, it, it, it gets hung up. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. And that's where you got problems. You know, you got problems with, with young bucks like in uh, against uh, um, the Vikings when Harrison Smith slid down the end of the line. Kendrick Green can't see the guy come down the end of the line. That's got to be a call the tackle makes or the quarterback sees or what have you. And for for Harrison Smith to be able to run unfettered to Ben and sack him, that's obviously a lack of communication, which happened on several occasions there. So the the more you can keep things simple, I think, for this line and let those dogs get out and hunt, I think the better you're going to be. Yeah, I think the great example of that is keeping Najee North-South is that pitch play they ran on fourth down in Kansas City. That just got strung out, and Melvin Ingram ended up making the tackle and turning the ball over on downs. It's fourth and one. Even if Najee gets stopped at the line of scrimmage, I have to think if he's going forward, he can push defensive linemen an extra yard to get that first down. When you go east and east and west, you don't really give him that chance no. because his momentum's going one way. He can't really give that full shoulder lean into going north south with that quick of an adjustment. So. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the simpler you make things, the better for this team. And against Baltimore, best rush defense in the NFL, skewed a little bit because teams pass the ball a whole hell of a lot on them. They don't really choose to run, but they only give up 84 yards on the ground. I think you just got to go right into the teeth of it and just try to – same thing against Cleveland. Double teams at the point of attack – and just north-south hard running with Najee. That's the way to go. Don't don't try to run sideline to sideline. Don't do any pitch outs, anything like that, like you were saying. The beautiful thing about it was in what separated uh, the M.J. Stewart, you know, stiff arm. It broke Franco's Franco's rookie rushing, record. Rookie record. You got to love that. You I, know what I mean? That's something Especially when Harris is the one that does it, right? Oh, yeah. I think we're going to see a whole lot more. Yeah. You better believe it. All right. I think it's time to go to break. Yep. Ninja, we got it? Okay. Let's go to break. Let's go to break, he says. So you got Wolf Starks and the Ninjas in the locker room. ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. It's Bell Lap here in the locker room. I'm joined by Ninja Tom. 
And uh, the injury update that I started earlier, we had Dan Moore with an ankle. We had Trey Turner with a knee. And Terrell Edmonds with a little bit of a groin. Um, but we also have the possibility that, uh, you know, Kendra Green could be back. We will see if his uh, ability to start earlier in the week uh, will lead to his start in the game. I would I would say that if he couldn't make it until later on in the week, then you start J.C. Hassenauer. Well, I but think if, he's he's not only fighting injury. I think Hassenauer's played pretty well. He did play well, but I, I will tell you, J.C., he had some issues too. Yeah, you know no, what I mean. No doubt. Um, there's uh, no doubt. No, no question. I'm not making I, him Webby out there. I'm just... <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I'm a Hassenauer fan. Yeah. I, I've, I've watched this kid come in, just watching him play. The kid is really. He's shown himself to be a very competent NFL lineman, much like uh, the Big Laglue. You know, what I mean, how do you how do you have a fifth left guard come in and and put in a performance such as what he put in this past week? I mean, that's some pretty good stuff. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not like he's out there becoming an all pro but he's better than what they have been getting from that spot recently and he's a journeyman like you said that fifth yeah fifth guy didn't even he wasn't even on the radar way back at training camp at the beginning of the year no doubt about now he's a key part of their success against the browns in the past couple weeks you know i'd love to see guys come up and uh when they have an opportunity they grab hold and, and do something with it i'm not saying he's a kevin dotson uh, he's got some work to go before then, but he pro- he proves uh, he belongs. Yeah, and you know even if I mean? it's not in Pittsburgh, he at least got a chance to okay. showcase it. And maybe you know the Vikings or some random teams like, well, we need guard help, and well, he gets himself a contract. Exactly, you know. And I I love that, and I love to see young young bucks succeed like that. Also, you got Devin Bush and Joe Schobert, who could be off the uh, COVID list, as well as Chris Wormley, Zach Banner, and Anthony McFarland. Look, I got to tell you something, you know. Robert Spillane on the first play from scrimmage we were just talking about when he dropped the the chub right Set he the shot tone. the gap yep that was it let me tell you something if you want to know why Pittsburgh was successful run defensing wasn't just the fact that Stefanski put the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands but also you realize that was some of the best run defense you've seen since the last time they played the Browns and, and Mike Tomlin talks about the fact that there is a a uh, you're familiar a familiarity with the the people up front and that ability and knowing the running schemes. They run the toss, what we used to call the toss, 16-17U, where you pull a center and guard. Um, they, they do it from shotgun, so it's a handoff there. But the fact is um, that was the bread and butter, and yep. they were able to really bottle that up except for that one uh, 32-yarder or 36-yarder, whatever it was. Yeah, that off Chubb the broke. right side, yeah. he was able to break that off. But they – Minka was able to haul him down and limit the damage, which Minka has done oh. so well all year long. He has had to clean up a lot of messes in that secondary, and he's done it. For Aisle the number part. five, we got a mess. <laughs> it's they call Minka in to clean it up every time. He uh, so many games he's led the team in tackling, and you like that because I like Minka and I like him showing up on the stat sheet. But I don't want my safety making fourteen tackles a game. It's, that can be problematic. That can be problematic. But he was able to stop Chubb. Uh, there, Spillane, even if Bush comes off the list and is ready to go, I, I think Spillane's got to get more go than Bush. I, I, I believe the same. What was the game? Was it the Bengals game? Bush got taken out and Spillane got put in. And Spillane, unfortunately, got injured. So Bush had to go like right back in. But it kind of seemed like that was the time where the tide turned to, we're going to start putting Spillane in here more than you, Bush. Well, they, and the injury just made Bush get his spot well, back. So. They were playing Bush in the, the base Oki, the 3-4, okay. and the 4-2 with 
the you know uh, sub package stuff, and they were playing the dime, the nickel with Devin Bush and Schobert, and then dime with with Spillane. Okay, and uh, I just I, I I like Spillane in the base Oki. I like him in the nickel. He's he's know, been better than Bush this year. Well, he has been. He's right. you know it, he has played. I think he's he's I'm not giving better. up on Bush, oh, but no. I'm just I'm just saying he has played no, better. That's that's going to be a problem. That's going to be something that Devin Devin has just not recaptured the magic that we saw as a rookie, um, yes. and I don't know how much of that is based on his knee, whether he doesn't feel comfortable. There were comments that uh, heard I heard you know that at times he talked about the fact that um, he was he gave way to the still thinking about it. And if you're thinking about it while you're out there playing, you're you're not going to be at full force. Well, that's why a lot of people say that's a two-year injury to recover from. A year to physically bring yourself back to 100%, and then another year to mentally bring yourself back to 100%. Yet, it's a good thing I'm stupid because I was back after. <laughs> you just forgot. Yeah. I still played 11 games. You're, like, you're just like, oh, that's right. I hurt my knee a couple weeks ago. I forgot all about that. No, but he yeah. he's 100% health-wise now. Now it's just, okay, when I – Plant that knee into the yeah. ground to make Are a hard cut and cover yes. that tight end. Is it going to give out on me? I'm still second guessing that. Yeah. So, very disappointing uh, third season for Bush this year, but not one where you're like, "Well, this guy stinks." Because I think it's only fair to him to give him another full. Oh, there's no question. Yes, there. There, there's a reason they call him the unicorn. There's yeah. attributes that he has that are no one else can get. Absolutely, yeah. and so you want to make sure that you give him every opportunity to recapture that which uh, maybe he uh, has spent this past year trying to recapture. But if you don't have that confidence in a body part that's gonna, you know, it's gonna hold up out there, you, that's not the place to be. No, absolutely. Yeah. So that's exactly why I think you give him one more off season, he'll mentally get his mind back to a hundred percent as far as his knee is concerned, and then. If things still look a little gloomy in the fourth year, then you have some then really hard see. questions we to ask. See. But it's yes. not time for those questions yet. Another one that I'm excited about, Chris Wormley coming back. You know what I mean? i got to tell you something. Um, I've enjoyed watching the rise of Isaiah Lauter-Milk, and I think he's uh, done a good job. A lot of good experience he's getting this oh, year for yeah. the future. But Chris Wormley came along, and he, you know, the first half of the season, I think uh, it was just about him finding his stride. He got better and better. You talk about six sacks. What are you talking about? A guy who was, what, fourth, fifth on the death chart? Now, all of a sudden, you're a starter now, buddy. Absolutely. So. And having to step in for Stefan Tuitt and Tyson Alu-Alu. Big shoes to fill. Oh, that was huge. Yep. I mean, because there, I mean, you between Stefan Tuitt, Tyson Alu-Alu, and then Cam Hayward, I mean, these, th- these three, they're, they're heartbreakers and widowmakers. They're all first-round picks. Yeah, I mean, and, and these guys can can wreck an offensive line. Oh, yeah, line. especially Tuitt and Hayward. I mean, oh, Man, we but, got robbed this year of not seeing Tuit work alongside Hayward because Cam's just had a phenomenal season. Well, I couldn't yes. imagine if he had his Robin with him. And he's yeah. not even a Robin; he's like another Batman. Honestly. Yeah, it really is. It's Batman and Batman. I know. Unfair. Batman and Bizarro Batman or something. I don't <laughs> it's very know. Very unfair <laughs> to opposing well, teams. How about Tyson though? But Tyson is one of these guys that played the nose tackle like a three technique. Yeah. He's... In other words, he was able to use his hands so very well. And one of these guys can get upfield, and I, you appreciate the great run stopping skills that he brought. What have we had but a trouble stopping the run without those guys without in the big lineup? Tyson Alu and Steph Tuitt in the lineup, especially without Alu Alu. They they could have survived this year without Tuitt. I think their run defense would have been better if Alu Alu would have stayed healthy. That that injury. But back to Wormley, best game of his year, maybe of his career, was against his former team, the Baltimore Ravens, in Week 13. So 
Maybe he comes back off the list and has another moment like that. Wouldn't that little, be nice? Little revenge if, times two against his old well, team. Well, think about this. If you remember Mike Tomlin was poking the bear back then. Was he a yeah, big 13? Because he, he was always reminding Wormley, your team, all right, your original team, traded you in the division. That's what they, they think, think about you. You can play them twice, and they're not scared of you. Yeah, How do you feel it. about exactly, that? Exactly, right? So you're Chris Wormley. we going, oh. I feel like I'm going to go get two sacks because that's exactly what he did against the Ravens. <laughs> exactly so. I'm looking forward to him reenacting some of that because to go back to Baltimore, all right, now this is even better. So I'm hoping that Chris Wormley is able to come off the COVID list and be able to put in some serious snappages because there's no doubt in my mind that he's got talent. He's not you know, the same as, as, as Steph Tewitt and, and Tyson, but you know what? He has really come along, and I said before, you know what? His play has been, if, it, if it's, uh, it's not spectacular, but there are moments that he has risen to that spectacular level, and he has provided yeah. varsity-level play, such as Mike Tomlin would say. Just like you said about LeGlue, he's showing he's an NFL player. Yeah. He may not be a starter on most NFL teams and not a guy that you feature on your defense, but he's a guy that gets a hat every Sunday. He's part of your 53. You give him a, a two-year con- – like, he belongs in the NFL. Is Maybe he's, he's your Raven Slayer. You just keep him on the roster. You, know, you just <laughs> – Pull him out twice a year, <laughs> throw him in there, hey, get a couple sacks against hey, your old Chris, team. Yeah, you, this is the, these are the guys they traded you. They to us. just arbitrarily tossed you out in in the same division, thinking we're going to play you twice a week, like you said earlier. And you know what? They they don't think much. They of don't you. think much of you, Chris. Yeah. Hey, don't shoot the messenger though. I'm just I love you, buddy. We signed. <laughs> don't you, so shoot the messenger. Just go out there and get a couple sacks for us against the old the old Raven team. Well, absolutely. You know what I mean. There's, I don't know. What There's, a, just ahead. a tremendous end to for Ben, where he gets to finish off the Browns at home, and then his most bitter rival. I'd say probably the team he has the most respect for in the final oh, yeah. game in their stadium. I mean, you couldn't have drawn up two better opponents for his final two games. No question. No question. It's it's magical, right? Yeah. It, it's I mean, that poetry like we were talking about. Exactly. Earlier. Those red fouls are blue. Ben beat the Browns and the Bengals, too. <laughs> How stupid can you be? And I can be plenty stupid. They're staring right in the eyes of, I know Burrow, Torch got passed, he swept the Steelers, we don't talk about that. They're going to sweep the Browns and the Ravens this year if they win on Sunday. 4-2 and two in the division is pretty good. Not bad. Again, we don't talk about the two. But well, you know what? sweeping the Browns and the Ravens in your final season... That's pretty it's nice. Not bad. It That's would have been, nice. yeah, we would have loved the, the, you know, the whole sweep the the entire division. Well, but, yeah, then you're in the playoffs. Yeah, but, uh, you, whatever. You know, we are where we are, and, <laughs> and you got to deal with that. Certainly, you know, that is not a problem. But you know, I'm I'm excited because I really think um, you you still got a chance. You know, no matter what you say, still alive. As long yep. as you're breathing, your heart rate monitor still's got a beep on there it. There you go. Yep. I mean, you know, you're you, into, you're there till the fat lady sings. She may be warming up, but, you know. The Jags won two games this year. I mean, they're the Jags. You know, the Colts the, have never beaten the Jags in Jacksonville. In Jacksonville, I've heard that yeah, this week. That's I don't a know wild that's, stat. That's a weird stat. I don't know why. But that also leads to, like, a little doubt maybe in the Colts' minds, that, you know. Labs and I were doing a podcast earlier. I know he was on the show as well today. That's what we kind of came to the conclusion to. It's not, do you have faith in the Jags winning? It's can the Colts blow this? Yeah. That's the one that side that that's you look at. That's a great at. point. It's like I don't know if the Jags can go out there and just beat them, 
But I think the Colts might be able to blow it. Like, I, I don't know if they're exactly, you know, they had a chance to win in their inn against the Raiders last week at home, and they blew that one, gave the Raiders new life, and now they have to win another one. Uh, they might blow well, it. Well, doing it in pregame because if anybody's up in that pool. In Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Hey, the players, what are they doing up there? <laughs> Carson Wentz is taking a backstroke before the game starts. Yeah, exactly. You might go, you know, I don't think anybody's really in tune with they're this not, game. They're not ready to play. <laughs> All right. I want to thank you so very much, Ninja Tom, for joining pleasure, me. Uh, appreciate it, brother. I want to thank uh, Bob Labriola and Jim Wexel. We'll be back with more. I hope everybody has a good Wednesday. And again, to my bride, happy birthday, baby. Coming home. I'll talk to you later. See you tomorrow, guys. Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At s Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why s Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, s Bank is here to help. Learn how s Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. s Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by J.D. Power. For J.D. Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards.